Hey guys, welcome to Word Books with Friends, episode number 10. Today we're going to be discussing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, chapter 10, Halloween. I'm Chris, and I'm once again joined by my co-host, Paul. Paul. I, I was saying your name. I was introducing oh. you. But yeah. Well, don't worry. In the edit, I'll edit that. Eh, keep it. Who cares? That's too much work to take it up. So we're starting this chapter. Uh... The, same as, the same as chapter number nine? Because it's, you know, Hogwarts kids sitting around thinking about Hogwarts things. Now they're thinking about the giant dog that they found at the end of Chapter 9. But then they also get a mail delivery. Oh, yeah. So much like Chapter 9 started off with the delivery of uh, letters and packages to people like Neville. uh, In this chapter, surprisingly, Harry gets a package. Uh, It's so big that it needs to be carried by six owls. Which is surprising because owls are... You know, they're pretty big. I I think they're pretty strong. I don't think a broom would be that heavy. Because, yes, spoilers, Harry receives uh, a package, and inside of it is his brand new Nimbus 2000. And according to the letter, it was sent to him by one Professor McGonagall. And this is really the beginning of McGonagall becoming one of my favorite Hogwarts and professors and Harry Potter characters. Because... As much as I disparaged her in the last episode and the last chapter for just eyes on the prize, focus on the game, this is that little, like, brief bit of moment where not only does she get him a broom so he can play Quidditch, she gets him the broom. Well, it was either this or, as Oliver Wood said, a clean sweep seven. And you definitely don't want to get yourself a Cosmic 260. Oh, my gosh. Those Those are mostly Flash. Everybody knows that. They're not as quick or as nimble as a Nimbus 2000. Uh, I do have to say that uh, I do like that Ron has a big turnaround on the whole, like, oh, I can't believe we almost died, that stupid dog. And it's now like, oh, that was actually a great adventure. Like, that was a lot of fun. (laughs) Well, I wonder if some of that's because, you know, back at the Weasley household, the burrow, he's... He's not the youngest kid, but he's got all these older brothers. He's probably looked over and passed over for everything. So for him being a part of like some big event, it's probably a big deal. It's probably like, wow, I was, I was side by side with you there. Like I was one of the stars of this adventure. Like what a rush. Yeah, I could see that because he is the youngest brother. Yeah. So there is definitely a difference between... You know, being the youngest brother and then having an only sister. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Like, he would still feel like the afterthought and the one that's looked looked over most. Uh, most overlooked? Is that how I should want to... Yeah, I think that's that's how a normal human being would say it. Um, but not not everybody is happy about Harry getting a broom. Because, oh. of course... As uh, six owls probably weren't happy about having to carry it. <laughs> they said, you know, they said it wasn't heavy. It was just awkward. Oh, uh, that would make sense. Yeah, that's why there had to be six of them. It's just, you know, you can't get the balance right. Maybe two on the broomstick, three on the the bristles would be enough. So, I mean, even then, like, you have one more owl that's, like, overseeing maybe. I don't know. Well, probably there's a lot of shipping and handling because of the price of the Nimbus 2000. Maybe it's like that extra courier fee. I feel like McGonagall would have whatever the wizard version of Amazon Prime would be. Right. 
she, you know, she buys enough books. She gets the, she gets like, well, it's before DVD. She gets the VHS copies of Downton Abbey. Like she's, <laughs> she, she, the show really resonates with her for some reason. You know, maybe the twine, you don't want it accidentally digging in and uh, nicking the uh, mahogany stain. Oh, I, on, she's, she no. springs for like the finer twine. Yeah. She goes for the five or six. Wait, sorry. One, one bad joke before I continue on. Okay, go ahead. McGonagall strives for the twiner things in life. <laughs> um, but no, uh, Ron and Harry have a run-in with Malfoy and his cronies. And Malfoy is elated because he finally gets to needle Harry on something. It's a broom. Like, you can't have this. You're a first year. Man, is he ever so ready to, like, rub it in his uh, people's face? And then, perfect opportunity, Professor Flitwick comes up. And he's like, hey, Harry, yeah, Harry, a first year, has a broom. Flitwick's like, oh, yeah, Professor McGonagall <laughs> told me about that. Isn't it exciting? For Malfoy, that has to sting double. Because not only is Harry not getting in trouble with it. It's the fact that the teachers actually support it. Not just one teacher. McGonagall got him the broom and Flitwick's like, yeah, dope, let me see this. What I also like is then Harry with some Class A Major League sass is like, yeah, and I have you to think for it, Malfoy. Uh, you know, without you, I wouldn't have a broom. And then he runs away and Ron's like, dude, what was thanking him about, all about? And he's like, well, if Malfoy didn't throw that remember all, then... I wouldn't have been able to show off my sweet, sweet skills. More dorm life stuff. And then we get, and I want to say what most of this chapter is about, which it's not, but it feels like so much of this chapter is Oliver Wood teaching Harry about Quidditch, which we've heard about a lot in the previous nine chapters, but it's all just been kind of like mentions, little hints. Uh, But this is where you finally get the whole game laid out on the pitch for us. And it's, I mean, every sport's goofy in a way, but wizards just like to needlessly complicate things. Yeah, it's basically like handball played on brooms. But then there's, with three chasers, which are the people that actually score and play handball, and then the keeper, a.k.a. the goalkeeper, that tries to, you know, just like in soccer, hockey, and basically Every other sport that has a goal uh, is trying to keep uh, scoring from happening. But there's three three goals each side, which, again, seems kind of wacky because you don't need three. You can just have one. If you want to have it be a bigger goal, just make it wider. You don't need three separate ones unless it's you know part of the skill. But, again, you're already a wizard. Skill's kind of negligible at this point. And, and they needlessly throw in another hitch, which is the... Bludgers, which are these magical cannonballs, basically, that are whipping around trying to hurt everybody. Because, you know, safety. Safety? Not not a thing that exists at Hogwarts. We'll talk about that more later. So then you got the... So you need, obviously, since you got these two cannonballs whipping around, you need uh, two bludgers on your team to basically whack those uh, balls away. And that's the Weasley twins, Fred and George, who are basically two human bludgers, which I enjoy. And then you have the final player on the team, the Seeker, who Harry's going to be. And he's after yet another ball 
the golden snitch, which for whatever reason, it, when you catch it, is worth 150 points, and it ends the match. So it seems like all this game really needs to be is two people flying around trying to catch the golden snitch. And they do make a mention, I want to say, it's in Goblet of Fire, where, yeah, where one of the games is ended uh, with the catch of the golden snitch, but the other teams still wound up winning just due to, like, the points. Is that what? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, uh, Crumb uh, grabs the golden snitch before the end of the match, to end the match, because he knows Ireland was scoring, their uh, chasers were too quick. And his, there was no way for his team, his catchers to actually score enough points to actually get it close enough for him to catch a golden snitch and win. So instead of dragging out the the game, which the, uh, match, the matches, some of them have gone up to three months, which we find out from Wood. Which again, it's just ridiculous. But I mean, if you bought a ticket for that match, you probably got your money's worth. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of of sports, and I, you know, there's been a lot of hockey games that have gone. To the middle of the night, um, the Sabres have been involved. The Buffalo Sabres, my local team, have been involved with a couple of them, and they've actually had to like sub out players and like get them orange slices and get them food because they've been going all night. I'm surprised that they don't have like a shootout type situation in Quidditch. I mean, it seems like it. It could be like a fun kind of way to take the game, especially if you know you still have your chaser out there, but then you've got like the bludgers and the beaters maybe still mm-hmm. on there. Like that could be kind of fun like sudden death sudden death in a wizarding sport would probably have a much more literal meaning but discussion question and we didn't talk about this before but obviously talking about the game and the positions what position would you wind up playing you know what i've always been more uh when i played little league soccer (laughs) i was defense i really liked being able to just wall up the soccer ball like all the way down the field just get as far away as possible so i'd probably be a uh a beater okay i'm prone to say i'd probably be a chaser because my first instinct is well i'm not a i mean i'm big i'm tall but i'm not like a burly person i can't see myself being a beater but then i think well friend george aren't that big either and of all the characters in harry potter i'm probably physically similar to them the most because you know i'm I'm tall i'm kind of gangly and they work as the Gryffindor beater, so I could possibly work as a beater, but I don't know. Chaser just seems kind of more my position because, yeah, there's some pressure on it, but it comes down to it. You can always just toss that sh- uh, that quaffle away to another chaser. Like, I-, I don't need to be a hero. I don't need to be king. I definitely don't want to be a seeker just because you got to be really quick. you got to be really nimble, and I know I'm going to be nervous on that room. Yeah, Chaser, I wish I could be, but I think there's going to be a lot of teamwork involved, a lot of knowing my position, where I need to be. I know Oliver Wood would be all over my case about, you know, structured plays. Whereas if I'm a beater, there's no real planning for it. You got to just be on the bludgers. You got to be watching your team's back and just reacting. And I think I would be better at that than having to remember positioning and set formations that i gotta fly in yeah it's literally like five pages of, of wood laying out what everything is and then and then them practicing which is kind of a, a fun way to end that part of the chapter 
before we get back to actual school life, which leads us into Halloween, the name of the chapter. I did want to mention that, man, you know, Harry, he, even before the practice starts, he just is flying effortlessly. There's a class that he has to take for it, and he's just like, nope, I got it. What's he learning in that class? Is it just like a... I imagine that class for him is like every other class is for Hermione. <laughs> like, it's just like, he's there, he knows he's doing better than anybody, but he's kind of racked with self-doubt enough, too, that he's not, like, capitalizing on it because so much of it's just new and fresh to him. Like, he's still trying to hang on every single word that he can. In the next chapter, Hermione lends him the book of uh, Quidditch Through the Ages, and he just loves reading it. Like, he's picking up tips, picking up maneuvers. So he does want, need and want to learn things. But, man, he, like, it seems like uh, he's just such a natural at it. And some of that him taking to it could be that this is the first time he's a part of a team. Like, yeah, he's part of Gryffindor. He has a circle of friends now. Like, it's about to become a lot stronger, too, with the events that are going to happen. But this is the first time, like, he probably feels like he belongs in something because not only is it interesting to him, it's exciting because it's a wizard sport, but he's also good at it this is the first time we see him being good at something, not accidentally because yeah, he's kind of lucked his way into doing magic before. Like it's just his nature as a wizard, even though he didn't know it, but this is something he's, it just, it clicks with him. It's just, it's just right. It's that person sitting, you know, go walking into the kitchen and then making a meal. And then everyone's like, Oh my gosh, this is one of the best things I've ever tasted. Like he just has, that X factor, something that's just like, all right, like, I, I found it. I'm kind of jealous that he had <laughs> such a natural proclivity to something. Because, you know, it, it, she does make mention that he catches on to charms quickly. He, he doesn't catch on. Because from what Hagrid was saying, like, it seemed like, oh, yeah, he'll just be a natural from uh, with everything with his from his folks. You know, they were great wizards and with, witches and wizards. So it seems interesting that, oh, no, it's flying. Flying is what he's got the knack at. Yeah, and then someone that's got a knack at everything is Hermione, because we get back into the class stuff with them in Charms, uh, taught by Professor Flitwick. And this is where we get one of the most fam- like famous Hermione moments of all time, with Ron trying to get his feather to float. And then Hermione's uh, live long line, it's Wingardium Leviosa. Not Leviosa. Ron is basically then put off and is in a mood and then is just a straight up jerk <laughs> for the rest of the day. With him basically being like, man, she's basically, Ron's basically saying everything you said in the last episode about Hermione. She's uh, straight up miserable to be around. Uh, she's a know it all. He's not wrong. I mean, if there's one thing Ron and I can agree on. She's kind of the worst. And I'm surprised, like, let me just pull up the table of contents real quick. We're on chapter 10 right now. There's 17 chapters in this book. And this is right when we kind of get that turn into, like, no, we start to like Hermione. Yeah, yeah. It's at the end of this chapter. At, at, up until this point, until the end of this chapter, when she makes that turn, 
like she's almost written like she could be a villain or she's like oh she's just going to be another thorn in their side like mm-hmm. oh you got to do the right thing you know she's kind of another obstacle in their way she could have been i i'm trying to think to the rest of gryffindor and we don't really have anyone else in the house that's kind of i don't want to say out to get harry but there's nobody in there that's like a an antagonist. Like, there's no threat to him in the house. I mean, we get a little bit in Goblet of Fire when there's, like, that kind of division drawn in Hogwarts between who the real school champion should be, either him or Cedric Diggory. Like, yeah, I, I think it could have been an interesting dynamic to have someone in Gryffindor be that for him. And I think Hermione probably could have been a good person to act as that because... Yeah, they're both young witches and wizards. They had no idea where they were coming from. This is their first foray into magic, and she just takes to it so naturally, he has to work for it. Like, for her, it's earned. For him, it's kind of given. I I think that would have been a cool, like, dichotomy to play with. Yeah, and if you wanted a trio, we already saw that uh, Pavardi Patel was ready to stick up for everybody. She's there, and then, I mean, even, like, Dean Thomas, like, he's another, again, you know, first-year Gryffindor, new to this whole world. He could kind of share some of Harry's, like, no, this this whole world's weird. Like, this this is strange, right? Like, I don't get this. Yeah, like, yeah. Why did it take six hours to deliver a broom? <laughs> like, I don't get it. Four, max. Five if you're pushing it. Six? Um, you know, everyone always sees themselves as, you know, a run. A Harry or Hermione. I think in most of our like actual life situations, we're all going to be Neville or like Dean. Like that's that's kind of what it comes down to so far into the book. I wish I was as good as a, a Neville, and I'd settle to be as good as a Dean. Like I, I, I would love to be as good as a Dean. I could see myself being a Neville, where it's like, oh, I don't remember the password. I'm just going to sit outside the common room until I see somebody else. I'm unnamed Slytherin. Boys three. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're now officially at Halloween in Hogwarts and we get a lot of fun like funkiness that's happening. Uh there's actual bats flying around the Great Hall. It's exciting. We'll get to a better holiday in one of the next chapters. But it seems like Hogwarts would be a pretty fun place to be at Halloween, I think. Yeah. Everything smells like pumpkins. See you You've been to, at the school for two whole months now, and you just mastered the basics, well, which is kind of weird because they really, other than Wingardium Leviosa, they really haven't caused, uh, cast any spells. Like they haven't even got the curse of bogeys now. <laughs> like, like, so what basics have they mastered? And I, I don't know. I will say, when it comes to any type of flavor or spice, I'm a pumpkin spice guy. Chalk it up to the fact that I was raised in the Northeast and I have a birthday in October, but man, that just autumnal, like cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice concoction, you put it in anything and and I'm there for it. So I think Halloween would be pretty cool. Uh, and until it turns out it, there's a troll in the dungeon somehow. That is the smell you don't want to smell. No, they spend a lot of time in this chapter talking about how bad the troll actually smells. And I completely forgot about that. 
Yeah, it smells like a toilet that never gets cleaned, and also some used gym socks. So, yeah, not not the best. We find out from for, uh, Professor Quirrell that there's a troll in the dungeons who then faints. Uh, we go on to learn and know later that it's actually Quirrell that brought the troll into the into the school, so he can cause like a distraction, so he can actually try to find out where and how to get into wherever they hid the philosopher or sorcerer's stone, whatever you want to call it. It's weird reading these books as a, as an American. I don't know why it's such a surprise because the first rule with all, tro- with, uh, with trolls is whoever smelt it, dealt it. Oh, and everyone put it this thing. Everyone's smelling it. Since Quirrell smelt the troll first, knew it was there. He obviously was the one that dealt it into the castle. So, so. something that we didn't discuss in our pre-show discussion, um, as soon as it, announced that there is a troll in the school. Dumbledore's first reaction is to, hey, everyone, get your houses back to their dormitories. Get to safety. Slytherin dorms are in the dungeons. And we find out, you know, later on in the books that when they kind of have to sequester everybody, they do it in the Great Hall there. Why didn't he just Keep, all keep everybody in the in the hall there, mm-hmm. which I would also still kind of fulfill Quirrell's idea for the distraction because he's getting everyone to that one spot, except for you know probably the teachers who are going to have to go take care of the troll, which leads him free to to investigate and try to get the stone. Yeah, that's a great plan. Like that's that's ex- exactly what they should have done, except. It doesn't allow Harry and Ron to slip out. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> like they have, they have to get them everybody moving, and there being the kerfuffle of the students moving around in the hallways. So it's it's plot driven, not it's logic driven. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good answer. That's the only good thing answer. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah. I went in as a normal human being, like, why you, you've got everybody there already, like. Mm-hmm. Everybody's gathered and safe here. Yeah, secure in place. Down there. Uh, well, everyone's there except for Hermione, of course, who has run off because she's got no friends. And she overheard Ron saying that. So at this point, they're not friends. But, you know, shout out to Ron and Harry who are like, she doesn't know. We, we got to go get her. And we're kind of the reason why she's in a bathroom right now crying. <laughs> This is on us. Yeah, it, it is big ups. And I'm with them completely until they lock the troll into the bathroom that Hermione's hiding in. Yeah. I mean, they're gifted. They're just not the most aware of what's going on. But, you know, they they realize their mistake and then through some, some of that good old patented Harry Potter luck they wind up overpowering the troll, which, you know, good on them. Like that's, that's impressive, you know, so much so that they are awarded some house points for it. Five a piece. Five. Once you minus out. Hermione, you know, and you gotta, I really don't understand Hermione's play here. Yeah. There's no real reason for it. 
she doesn't like so it doesn't help out Ron and Harry's case any more or less to say that she went looking for the troll and Ron and Harry came after her to save her. She literally could have said, yeah. I was just, no, I wasn't at the feast. I was here in the bathroom. Ron and Harry knew I were in the, was in this bathroom and they came looking for yes. me. Like, Again, that's a, a plot versus logic thing because it doesn't make sense for her to do that in any of those reasons. Like she literally could have just been in the bathroom and Ron and Harry knew it and they went to go save her. Everything else she says too, like they didn't have time to, to let anybody know because yeah, this seems like this is a big deal. Like there's panic. Everyone get to your dormitories. Like you got to do what you got to do. She doesn't have to lie about it. It's a very weird way to bond. It, it works, I guess. And it's a very weird point system. That's five points for getting a right answer, you know, in class. Like, hey, and five points for defeating a mountain troll, and five points for using uh, five points taken away from you for using bathroom when you're not supposed to. I don't know. Well, I mean, it is McGonagall that's assigning and taking away the points, so she might not want to appear to favorable to her own house. Has she met Snape? Well, has she met Dumbledore, who is like, eh, a billion points to everybody except for Slytherin. Like, <laughs> it, uh, it's, of course, is weird, man. The politics of that place, I just don't get. It's, you know, it's Hogwarts, where the points are made up and the scenes don't, or, wait, no, what was it? Where the, uh... Where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Points don't matter, Yeah. <laughs> But you know what? You know what does actually matter, though? Quidditch? The next chapter? The next chapter. And we want to know, you know, what your position would be. Reach out to us. Let us know. Listen in as we keep going through the rest of this book. Uh, We're coming up to the end. Like, we've got only, like, six chapters left. And, man, it's great revisiting this. 